0: Now, for something completely different, here is your host, Brian Wilson. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and people of all sexes, especially everyone observing Save Our Endangered Heterosexuals Day. Welcome to the Happy Hunter Hunting episode of The Two and Only, a weekly slide on the razor blade of life here on the polluted shores of the D.C. swamp, where common sense is blackballed and logic comes to die. Brian Wilson's my given name although I've been called many others. Joining me is our celebrity guest, the indolent yet aspirational investigative journalist for the New York Post, best-selling author, including his newly released Last Rights: The Death of American Liberty. Yet, despite all these accolades, he just lost a lucrative commercial endorsement for Old Spice Aftershave. Go figure. Let's have a catatonic welcome for Jim Bovard. Welcome,
1: Jim. Brian, thanks for having me on. It's the first time I've been called indolent since I was on the high school track team.
0: Well, you know, just dredging up all this stuff from the past, I'm just trying to get you ready for those congressional investigative meetings you're going to be called into after they read your book. You have to be prepared for this stuff. Have you ever done that, by the way? I seem to have a memory that uh, you did actually uh, uh, were called in for an appearance. Yeah, I've,
1: I've testified a few times at Capitol Hill, yeah. so... I'm not sure it was more productive than staying home and uh, examining old issues of Playboy magazine. Yeah, well, certainly much
0: more enjoyable. I've I've never had the curse or the pleasure. I the closest I got to that was uh being called into a Manhattan Grand Jury on a on a case up there when I was at WABC. But uh, anyway. Okay, but but there,
1: but there was a great story you have of going to uh the uh, Capitol building and, <laughs> and you had an extra
0: Yes, extra piece of sporting equipment with me. Uh, so I think that's in the book. Meant my first indication that maybe there really is something to this guardian angel business, not to uh, belabor it, but uh, just maybe to entice people to go and read the book, the chapter. I, the woman who became my wife, Cassie, uh, was a reporter at station in Baltimore, and there was a talk radio day at the Capitol, and we went down to broadcast. And unbeknownst to me, through a, I don't know, brain fog or just a total screw up as we were coming in the inspection point in the basement of the, the entrance of the capitol the uh, x-ray machine revealed in my briefcase a uh, nice compact 45 caliber pistol that i carried with me And will i'll uh, leave it at that what happened after that was really rather uh, rather remarkable and i obviously i'm here so I, I didn't get the sense of the clink but it's a uh, that was a day, Jim, I got to tell you. Hell of a story. Hell
1: of a story. Oh,
0: God. Talk about uh, uh, an indelible memory, a, a, a trauma, thinking that, you know, you're, you're that's it. That's it. You know, you got a gun in D.C. trying to get in the Capitol building. No questions. No no problems. No nothing. Just turn around, hands behind your back, and we'll see you in five years. Whew, man.
1: Anyway. It's just good that you got an honest face. <laughs>
0: uh well i that that could be it it could be the uh the two guys that were doing the check-in security business it could be the incredible attraction of my wife who was there i I, who knows you know it was enough of a distraction maybe that did it but uh anyway get the book and read about it we'll talk about that later i wanted to take a closer look at a couple of your recent articles up on your blog at uh, jimbovard.com uh the one is uh is free speech relic in america the other is stop the biden big brother better law we'll get to that in a minute but um Uh, Just to clarify, uh, other than the obvious difference between a mouth and a piece of paper, is there a meaningful distinction uh, in the First Amendment between freedom of the speech and freedom of the press? Is there something uh, tangible and and enunciable that can be uh, addressed to that?
1: Um, Good question. I don't think there is. I think um, there are some journalists who talk as if they're entitled to more protection as journalists. Um, I don't think that's true. It should not be true um I'm in favor of almost um unlimited freedom of speech or, or and freedom of press i mean uh if someone libels somebody or there's defamation and there's a lawsuit that's different i mean uh people have to be responsible for what they say. Knock on wood here uh mm-hmm. but um no i'm I'm not aware of any major difference so okay
0: i mean I, I, it, it may be a legal fine point it may be an academic discussion i i was just uh, in getting ready for our get together today i got to thinking about that well speech is just what we might say out loud written down on a piece of paper what you write down on a piece of paper could be read out loud i mean what the, what was the necessity of i understand the freedom of the press as far as you know what the i think the founding dads were had in mind when they were writing that especially considering the state of the fourth estate at that particular time but the uh I just wondered if there was some sort of a distinction in you as a, as an eminent author and writer of uh, both books and and newspaper pieces uh, might have come in contact with that, not to mention the speeches you've made around the country. So uh, so, so basically, the, you could say, so if free speech is a relic, as you point out in the article, raise the question, uh, would it be safe to say then that so is
1: freedom of the press? Ah, uh, yeah, well, that's uh, that's been taken, that's taken a whopping for a long time, so... Uh, yeah, there's a, a boatload of problems with both those so and it's something which I've I've experienced as a journalist. I mean just the uh, fear of official disfavor. Uh, it's a huge factor.
0: Yeah, also um, uh, not to get off a beaten path is where I was originally going, but it raises questions in my head about as a writer. Uh, and uh, I mean, you're major league. I'm down here with T-ball, but I'm just saying that your, your stories you've told about issues with the subject matter not being a matter of free press or speech or whatever, but the fact that you run into uh, you run into a political problems with the philosophy or the tastes of editors, and that raises an issue that I have never had I've had to deal with, uh, well, except once with a column. But you've had issues with titles, chapters, paragraphs, subject matter, because the editor had a problem with it, not whether or not uh, it was correct or incorrect, factual or historical or anything else. Is that right?
1: Um, No, sure. I've I've had lots of problems over the years with um, some editors, usually ones I didn't deal with very often. You know, it's um, a question of uh, one pass and haul ass when you have that kind of editor. Uh, but there have been uh, uh, plenty of times where editors, I think, have made judgments because of fear of government disfavor or government pressure or government pushback. Yeah. Government pushback is a big factor, it's become a lot bigger factor in, in recent decades um, compared to what the, the experience of writing in the 1980s and the early 1990s. Uh, but uh, to, to clarify, I mean, simply because some editor doesn't like a sentence or a paragraph or an article of mine doesn't mean I've been censored. It's just um, this is what editors do and right. editors make decisions. And but if there is a, if there is an official thumb on the scale, then that's different.
0: Yeah, I was just try I was more interested from in the standpoint of illustrating how someone who writes uh, what you write about and how you write about it. Has more to be concerned about than just the fact that maybe somebody in Washington is going to get pissed off. You know, the, uh, well, tough, you know, that's what the First Amendment is all about. But there are also other hurdles that maybe the, uh, you know, the average listener reader doesn't take into consideration that you are poking the dragon with a big stick here. And there are other hurdles that then come about as a result of that, whether it's, an editor's fear of government pressure or kickback or or whatever, but uh, like I say, I, I we're getting into the weeds here a little bit. I don't know that anybody really gives a rat's butt about this, other than somebody who's actually doing the writing and contending with. It. But I thought it was an interesting sidebar on the basis of what you do to pay the rent and the things that you run into along the way that other people may not have thought about. But uh, anyway, the um, uh, to get back the the essentially the same part. Uh, you know, about the freedom of the press and all the rest of that, you wrote about the Biden administration leaning on Facebook to censor COVID comments. And, uh, and earlier in the year, the, the federal judge, uh, Terry Dowdy, uh, hitting back uh, with 155 pages of condemnation of the Biden gang's coercion of social media companies, other than uh, being ratified by a federal appeals court. Uh, where's that gone? What's the result been of, of all that decision?
1: Uh, The Supreme Court is going to hear the case. Um, So there's good and bad in that. Uh, The uh, Judge Dally issued an injunction to prohibit federal agencies in the White House from from directly browbeating social media companies. The the appeals court uh, preserves some of that injunction, but the uh, Supreme Court has put a stay on that entire injunction, which means that the federal agencies can uh, go back to their arm twisting. So it might be a little more dangerous because you know there's uh, it's a hot trail at this point, but the uh, it's, it was unfortunate that the injunctions have been uh, uh, frozen.
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean, especially from the standpoint of the everyone knows the uh, the speed, which with the Supreme Court uh, works its magic. I'm just wondering, in light of next year election year and how some of the, so much of this is all tied together. Uh, are we going to be looking at one of these things at the end of June or whenever, when uh, the uh, Supreme robes get hung up for another season before they come out with their decision, or is the the timing of this uh, so obvious that they might actually pop with the decision within a short short period of time?
1: Uh based on my uh, lunch I had last week with Clarence Thomas, this is uh, how uh-huh. it's going to work out. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I mean, uh, this is the kind of case that might had- get. Postponed until the end of June next year, and it also might be postponed, and then they decide not to uh, do anything on it uh, for the entire year. So I don't know. I don't know. It's um, it could be a real mess. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah.
0: Well, I understand it's all sheer speculation. I just uh, I'm always playing catch up with the history of things like Supreme Court decisions and actions, and and what they do and don't do, and. Whether or not they're aware of uh what the calendar says and what the political landscape is. I mean, the idea that they sit up in an ivory tower and they're above all this is that's ludicrous. That's naive thinking, but I don't know how far they allow themselves to delve into some of this business. But nevertheless, just a a curiosity. You wrote uh, with regard to this whole business of the federal government leaning on the social media, specifically Facebook. Facebook decided that the word liberty, quoting you now, Facebook decided that the word liberty was too hazardous in the Biden area to placate the White House. Companies suppressed posts discussing the choice to vaccinate in terms of personal or civil liberties, unquote. Based on what we have subsequently learned about the political proclivities of one Mr. Zuckerberg and his fact-chuckers, do you think that caving into the feds was that great a sacrifice uh, to their love of liberty, or just a swell smokescreen to delete posts the Facebook folks found objectionable anyway?
1: Well, you know, I turned the clock back six years here, and that was when I did a piece for USA Today on how Facebook censored a uh, post which I did uh, and uh, canceled it because it had a photo of the um, the uh, fire at the uh, Waco Branch Davidian home. You know, the all yep. the everybody going up in smoke, and the uh, I, I've forgotten the exact rationale that Facebook used to justify uh, you know uh, suppressing that. Uh, but it's like you know, um, I had fun with that. I had fun. It was embarrassing for them, uh, and they finally backed down in that case. But it turns out there were there were uh, a lot of photos of government atrocities, which Facebook banned, not because they were inaccurate, but because they made the government look bad.
0: Yeah. And that certainly is a violation of their community standards, since they have a rather unusual community, apparently. But I, I, yeah. Uh, I yeah, it's I, called I, the
1: FTC and the Justice Department in <laughs> and, and the White House. And, we, yeah. you know, they got to keep them happy or else they'll... Uh, there, there are all kinds of liability questions which, uh, which they could face. So yeah.
0: you'll lose your pool privileges in that community or something along that order. I, I get it. But I I think the average person is of the opinion that, well, you know, these people are in the publishing business uh, as far as social media is concerned, and they would stand uh, fast on the First Amendment as opposed to just caving. But Uh on the other hand, Uh I know, Uh I know, I know, I know.
1: Oh, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) But
0: but still, you know, it's. it's, have uh, those
1: illusions.
0: It is. Well, I mean, I think that, you know, there are people who believe such that, you know, have their own uh, date with woke. Uh, coming you know the you know sleeping uh you know with the lullaby of these types of fairy tales dancing through their heads and you know government is good and, and does good things and they're here to stand up for the constitution bill of rights that and it's it's hoopla it's all uh like i say fairy tales it's right up there with santa claus like a uh, and, one-handed and,
1: and... magazine yeah <laughs> yes
0: I mean, the Fed seemed to have perfected the art of revealing what they're going to do and what they're going to try first by accusing everybody else of being guilty of whatever, whatever, is therefore requiring them to do the same thing to prevent it. <laughs> it seems to be the way things are are working out. I want to move over to the big brother, Biden big brother better piece is the Biden big brother better piece in that you quote um, uh, Senator Mike Lee saying, don't trust any bill so large it has to be delivered by handcart the uh, 3,000 pages of the National Defense Authorization Act, Section 702 that you you write about, referring to FISA, the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, expiring coming up here in just a few weeks, December 31st. Since it's only a matter of days before another vacation for our elected rulers, uh, what do you think? Do you think that actually they're going to let it expire this time? Or is this uh, this extension that invariably comes up in discussions when hard negotiating is necessary? Do you, you think that
1: opposition is going to cave and, and do that, give another four months? Um, I don't think the opposition is going to cave, but I think that they are uh, that they may be outvoted by the folks who want to go along by the uh, uh, be outvoted by the deep state caucus on Capitol Hill. Ah. Which Ooh, has that's a, a good lot one. of members so
0: I go hold on a second I gotta write that one down I hadn't I hadn't even heard or thought of that one before the deep state caucus that's 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 right up there with the uh impunity democracy
1: yeah so I was on the edge of my chair I was hoping you would say it was almost on par with wagon load of wet goats but no oh. it's not quite that good
0: it, it it's up there it's up there but you know that that's such a potent a potent statement. I've got to. I've got to hold that back for the, you know, for the biggest, bestest, most important application that could come along, like your book. You know, the, like I say, it's got a wagon load stronger than a wagon load of wet goats. It's also. I, I, I put this up there. It was stronger than an acre of garlic. I mean, that's that's pretty good. Uh, an acre
1: of garlic. Yeah, but oh, it's not. Uh, I, I haven't heard that one before. Is that from your uh, family's farming days? Uh, yeah, where's that from? Just but I don't I, I don't know I've had
0: that one as long as you know the wet goats. It's just that um, I don't know how what experience the average person has in driving down the highway. But I mean, you get behind a wagon load of wet goats. I mean, you've that's a real olfactory experience right there. Whereas not a whole lot of people have passed an, uh, an acre of garlic, which really doesn't doesn't rise to its its level of potential until somebody starts mashing on. So there's that, but uh, either way, it's, uh, uh, they're worthy. But, um, you know, you point out that the feds revealed that fewer than 3,394,053 Americans' privacy, and that's tough to read that without laughing, I'm sorry. The the feds revealed that fewer than 3,394,053 Americans' privacy had been zapped by FBI warrantless searches using Section 702. Was that just for this year or the last fiscal year or since the uh, the, the FISA Act has been in place?
1: No, I I, I think it was in uh, 2020 and 2021. Uh, it, it's a little fuzzy as far as uh, w- when these uh, violations actually occurred and when they were reported, because they were it quite a bit later when they were reported. Um, and for a long time, the feds did not report any violations because they didn't have to. Right. Whereas, whereas now, whereas now they, you know, the Fed say, you know, fewer than XX million. And people say, oh, good. Now the government's transparent. And it's just, there are so many different ways that the uh, Washington protocols make a mockery of transparency. This is one of my favorites. Fewer than 3 million, so on, so forth. It's like, you know, Give us a number. Can uh, can we get any names? No, nope, no, nope. you can't have the names, but just but just take our word for it. It's fewer than three million, whatever. So it's like, yeah.
0: I'm so impressed. Yeah, yeah. I think maybe a thing would be to attach the renewal of the uh, of of FISA to the same stalemate they're having on funding and changes in border procedure.
1: <laughs> well, to that. see, uh, yeah, that's actually a story I'm racing on today. Oh, there's a, a fight so there was a fight in the Senate today. Maybe a fight in the House uh, tomorrow on this. And so, uh, Congress has paid attention to this uh, uh, to this issue of, of doing these of these uh, warrantless FBI searches uh, of Americans' records that were unjustified. All these cases. And they have come up with a solution, and, and that is to have a special provision uh, to notify members of Congress if they're personally involved in one of these unjustified searches.
0: So the hell with the constituency and the rest of the citizens of the country. As long as you know that your ass is under the magnifying glass, oh, then it'll be okay. We'll go ahead and vote for it.
1: 535 people and everybody else can go jump. That's it. Well, it's like
0: you point out, betting on the triumph of constitutional rights on Capitol Hill remains a fool's errand, and, and there's certainly no greater testimony to that reality than right there. By the way, I, I forgot I meant to apologize to you uh, at the start of the show that our day to get together here for our two and only get together may have may have prevented or in otherwise inhibited you from being able to get to the Hunter Biden Capitol step.
1: Ha, ha. Uh, yeah, I was I I was, I was just reading about that, and and I was thinking, you know, there again, it kind of brings to mind, you know, the old back issues of Playboy magazine.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, I tell you what, if I ever have to be deep, uh, deposed on something again, I'm going to try that. I'm going to say, you know, I don't want to go to any deposition. I'm going to set up a podium out here on the steps of the Capitol or Macy's or, you know, Bank of America or something like that. I'm just going to say what I want to say. And, uh, and be done with it. Oh, I will say, I understand from that speech came the quote of the year from Hunter Biden. I did not have financial relations with that father. But I think that would be line. going down as something worth uh, worth pursuing. I don't know if that's an actual quote or not, but it
1: sure seems well, to be see, the contrary. Uh, yeah. yeah. See, part of my reaction here is, it, it's an excellent line. I wonder how many listeners have a, a vivid recall of 1999 <laughs> Put it in con- or 1998, I guess, to put it in context. So, but it's a great line.
0: Well, you know, as, as long as somebody gets it, that's all that counts. Uh, and as someone else uh, pointed out, you know, press conference words are meaningless. Deposition under oath and on the record is all that really matters. Of course, how much clout that has when it actually comes to pass is almost like getting a subpoena or uh, being charged with congressional uh, middle fingering. It's just uh, kind of kind of dumb. Well, well look, uh, I see the uh, the meter range... I have uh once again uh waving their government-supplied mattel stopwatch warning me it's time to bring down the festively decorated bovard curtain of mercy and get up and get out while your holiday shopping time is running out just as well remember you can get it all done in one place punch up jimbovard.com for a link to the amazon order page get a case full of last rights the death of america and liberty you'll nice be happy to know there are no age-appropriate warning labels although throwing in a bottle of aspirin or pepto-bismol for your liberal friends might be a good idea. For the dynamic duo of Christmas cheer, get Jim's Last rights and add my 50 Stories, 50 Years in Radio and a free subscription to Brian Wilson Writes at Substack, and you'll have enough reading, entertainment, and information to distract you from the repeated playings of The Little Drummer Boy, 12 Days of Christmas, Alvin and the Chipmunks, all the way through tax season. Assuming we survived the tsunami of holiday sales advertising and a possible flock of political black swans, we'll be back with another high colonic episode of The Two and Only next week with our first annual review of 2023 and maybe some courageous speculation on the dreaded arrival of 2024. For James Bovard, I'm Brian Wilson doing my part patronizing the old barstool liquor store sponsors of SBN's Nostalgic Dwarf Tossing Championships this year.